0: Elon Musk gets sued by the SEC and settles two days later. We have updates to McLeod's Power Broker platform. Project 44 raises $45 million in a new venture round. And we discuss the McLeod Data Science Initiative. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these issues and more on this special episode of What the Truck, coming to you live from the McLeod User Conference 2018 in Birmingham, Alabama.
1: Coming live to you. It's great to be here. What's JP. up, man? Uh,
0: and from, I just, what are you rocking there? Just cracked open a Diet Coke because we are at a Whoa. Software Users Conference.
1: So that is a good reason to crack open your Diet Coke. What you got there? Uh, Aquafina ooh, pure water. That's, I, haven't, taste. I haven't heard of that brewery. Uh, it's 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 very clear. It's got a you know, clean finish.
0: <laughs> all right, man. Let's let's get into it, dude. Um, first of all, it's awesome to be here. Um, it's been great working with McCloud. UC c- Twenty Eighteen. Seeing seeing just everything they're doing. Um, you know the, the huge pieces of software they have, all the users, how technical and engaged like the user base is, um, and just how. How quickly they kind of respond to input and will add features. If you know, if one customer asks them to do something, they'll put it in their in their program. It's kind of, it's pretty cool. Um, but first, let's why don't we talk a little bit about some really big news that happened kind of just after we finished recording last week. Yeah. Um, basically, on Thursday. Um, so you know, th- this is about uh, Elon Musk's tweet that he had. He was thinking about taking Tesla private at $420 a share, and then he wrote those infamous two words, funding secured. And it caused an immediate pump in the price of the stock, You know, and we could talk about you know why he might have had a reason to do that, um, whether it's from sort of a corporate cash flow perspective with their maturing convertible bonds at the beginning of 2019, whether it was because of his own um, financial liabilities Um, basically he he owns you know i think 4.4 billion dollars worth of tesla stock and he's pledged 40 percent of it as collateral on loans that he has cash loans and so you know that one of the ideas was like okay if the price of that stock goes down he will owe those banks more money you know what i mean like if they're loaning him if say, say uh, you know, I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know what the margins are, wh- what kind of lever- how leveraged it is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, imagine that um, the bank says, I'll loan you a dollar for every dollar of collateral that you put up. And then this price of your collateral drops, you know, the value of your collateral drops. All of a sudden, the bank calls and they want, mon- they want their money. You know what I mean? I um, guess. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's also one reason why he could have been interested in pumping the stock. But the point is, is that on Thursday, you know, the SEC had been investigating him for this. It turned out he did not have funding secured. Uh, the board didn't know about it. He had never discussed price with a potential investor or buyer of Tesla. And so there was really a lot that just, um, you know, hadn't been established at all that the, that the SEC, the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission determined. Um, yeah. So we, we heard
1: first that the headline was that the SEC was basically coming after uh, Tesla, right? Not just Elon Musk, but but Tesla. And then shortly thereafter, um, there were some swift moves that were made. Right. Um, right. Which was and what- good for Tesla and it was the removal of Elon Musk
0: well it was actually a really costly mistake by Elon Musk um, on Thursday uh, ap- late Thursday afternoon so what happened was the SEC and Tesla Elon Musk you know Tesla board of directors was were they were in negotiations to settle this matter um, without having to go to trial without you know potentially you know a, a conviction or right. finding a fault you know that that kind of stuff um, And the deal was that Elon Musk and Tesla were going to pay the SEC $10 million, and that he could not be the chairman of the board for two years, and uh, that um, Tesla would add a couple of extra independent directors to its board. And finally, that it was uh, this kind of settlement is called. neither admit nor deny settlement so uh, while while Elon Musk and Tesla wouldn't be admitting to any wrongdoing they also couldn't say that they did nothing wrong um, it was kind of kind of a weird court. apparently that was what um, musk was really hung up on and he basically walked out of those negotiations reportedly kind of stunning Tesla's in-house counsel stunning his board of directors the SEC was like okay that's fine that's when they dropped the charges in or, you know that's when they they filed charges in court, um, you know, obviously with, with a much more potentially harsh uh, penalty, um, no. basically barring um, Elon Musk from uh, serving as any kind of officer in a publicly traded company, which would have effectively removed him from Tesla, you know, completely. Um, Obviously you know once the heavy hand of the SEC came crashing down, Tesla went back to the table really quickly uh, and, and Musk did but this time you know after they rejected the first settlement, they want to come back to the deal you know come back to the table and make a deal after charges were filed they didn't get the same offer it was much worse so instead of paying 10 million dollars now they have to pay 40 million dollars. And um, instead of being barred as serving as the chairman of the board for two years, Elon Musk is now uh, barred from serving as the chairman of the board for three years. So just, you know, basically, you know, I think this happened on Saturday. Um, So really just two days, two days and a a rash decision by Elon Musk ended up costing Tesla an extra $30 million and barring him from the board. for another whole year, it's
1: just monopoly money. It's just—it's it's not. <laughs> well, they really don't—they, you
0: know, they're—they're they're cash strapped. They've got about—I uh, think as of last month, they had about two point two billion in cash on hand. Um, if, if the stock uh, is trading, you uh, be b- below basically three hundred dollars and three hundred fifty-nine dollars in February, they'll owe bondholders nine hundred and twenty million dollars. So almost half of all of their, you know available cash like they ha- you know 40 40 million dollars is not a joke to tesla right now especially in cash so you know it's kind of a it's 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 almost like what has he really learned like like his the volatility the um, sort of erratic Parts of his behavior, the impulsiveness, the kind of, of things that led him to tweet funding secured in the first place are still kind of haunting him and still causing problems for the company. I mean, he's, yeah, like, he walked out of these negotiations, like, you know, apparently no one told him that the SEC wins 95% of the cases it brings to trial. Like, once they file charges on you, yeah. they got you. It's, um, um, and it so just seems like a no, he had no there's,
1: there's a lot of impulse control going on, um, you know, I'm, I... You know, when we first started covering Tesla several months ago, I, I was a fanboy, you know, pretty much, um, to start things off. I, I just was amazed by this company. I think we all, you know, want, on some level, we want to see this kind of stuff happen, you know, such right. as they were doing. Right. But, you know, um, it's been this, like, slow drip, drip, drip. You know, I feel right. like I've been cut by the executive like a, departures, 10, paper cuts. Yeah. You know? Um, the incessant, impulsive, silly tweeting, um, and just his image, man, like even, like all that you said, him like sort of like getting up in the middle of a, you know, a, the, um, the securities and exchange, like the SEC. Yeah, yeah, just walking like, just away from the really, table like, when really, you have you, nothing. You don't, you can't, you don't do that, you know, that's... No, you take the deal. Um, yeah, and, and you just, yeah, do, do not...
0: But if what, you walk away and you come back to the deny, table, it's going to be that much worse.
1: so um, so a lot of silliness yeah and um,
0: but you know really rapidly evolving situation
1: like on T uh, basically um, on TV with Joe Joe Rogan um, like what is that doing for you and I think you know they did
0: have a great conversation you know it's like a really long form deep dive like two and a half hour long podcast about all kinds of things but just like be aware that like you have shareholders, you have a fiduciary responsibility. Like people, people he, have committed people part. This, people and, have committed their resources to equity in your company. Like you have a responsibility. Um, anyway, so it's you know it's. I don't think we're done yet. I, I really want to see you know. Um, we, we characterized this development as a win for Tesla shareholders and I yeah. definitely think it is because they will have a board that's truly independent of the CEO um, you know Elon Musk will remain as the CEO but he's going to be basically be held more accountable and, does,
1: he, does he get to keep tweeting?
0: Um, well that, one of the stipulations in the settlement was that the board established uh, better processes for supervising his communications to investors so you know to make sure this doesn't happen again, and he doesn't issue materially false and misleading information in in an attempt to manipulate the price of the stock. So, you know, there are things happening, and we'll see, you know, sort of where that goes, because he hasn't had to deal with a a combative supervisory or truly independent board. Like, his board, like, his cousin is on the board. You know what I mean? Like, like there, are these, there are these, like, investors who, like, buy into the Elon Musk idea, but they are not actually, like, you know, experienced um, at running automotive companies. And so, you know, he's really had a free hand and a lot of the sort of controlled chaos, the improvisation that, you know, his fans find so inspiring. You know, that's the positive part of it. The, the negative part is when you commit securities fraud. Um, and inadvertently by sending out a dumb tweet that was also kind of like a pot joke, like like. So we'll see where this goes. We'll see how if they can put the genie back into the bottle in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and keep him controlled and let him be, you know, productive and inspiring and a brand ambassador at the same time that he, you know, like takes takes his sort of duties more seriously.
1: Stay tuned.
0: Yeah. So. Um, you know, so that's, that's the, the sort of what's been going on with Tesla. Uh, you know, really interesting story. Um, he's, you know, they lost a the battle. The war's not over. Uh, but why don't we talk about some of the cool uh, content that we uh, saw at the McLeod user conference today. Um, I, you know, the first thing we can talk about is updates to the Power Broker tool. Um, I went to a session about that. Super interesting. It was really the first time I had like seen that product up close and saw how it was used and what, what all it's capable of. Hearing, you know, it was it was it was a pretty interactive discussion. So like, yeah. Um, you know there were yeah. like carriers and like not carriers, but you know, brokers and, and logistics arm you know, asset light sides of carriers and stuff. Asking questions. Um, Nita Wallace, the power broker product manager, was the one who led, you know, the, sort of the presentation. Um, yeah. And it was it was super interesting. I mean, it is incredible how much they've automated, like how you know removing these you know because you know brokering freight is like is transactional it's repetitive you know you do the same you know uh, i think david bradford told me a few weeks ago that a good broker you will cut co- you know, might cover around 35 loads a day and so you're doing the same thing over and over again you know it, it, obviously it's different if it's you know a flatbed going from chicago to you know milwaukee then you know a reefer coming out of miami or something like that but you know it's essentially the same thing over and over again and it it was really awesome and kind of unexpected for me to see how much of that they've automated how smart this technology really is all the different things that it can do Um, I was impressed yeah like even, sorry, like one one thing like, you know, basically like like when you, there's a thing called a call-in where a broker will call a a driver or carrier that, you know, has their, their freight and is moving it and you just kind of call in to check and see what's going on, right? Um, there's actually, based on like the characteristics of that carrier and its history and different customized things it generates a script for new especially for new brokers so when they actually get the driver on the phone it tells them like the information that they need and like what to make sure to ask about because a lot of times like when a broker you you, you finally get in touch with the driver he's he's you know he or she's on the phone you're talking to them you, they hang up like they don't want to they don't really want to talk to the broker again you know that day like, so if you miss the opportunity to ask the right questions, a, a lot of times you're out, out in the cold. So like, that was one like, really cool feature they talked about. Another really interesting feature, uh, there are two more kind of things that I want to talk about uh, just on, on Power Broker that I thought were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is waterfall automatic waterfall tendering. <laughs> um, which we actually heard about from the uh, comedian who was the lunch speaker. He was like, "Yeah, what, what the, what, the hell is a waterfall tender?" Well, I actually know what a waterfall tender is. It's, Whoa. it's essentially when it, you, you rank the you, when you have a load that you're trying to cover. You can rank your carriers in order of preference, and then you can automatically set it up so that it makes an it generates a quote, makes an offer to those carriers in order. They have a certain you know amount of time. Before the offer expires, and then it goes to the next one, and it can you can automatically do that. You can add and subtract carriers, you know, from the, the waterfall list. You can um, stop the waterfall list. You can define it in certain ways. Um, you can check its progress. You can share it with other people so they can monitor it, but can't change it. You know, and you can you can speed it up, slow it down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Really, really kind of cool stuff. Um, really automating a lot of the. The negotiation, the sourcing of capacity in the first place, the, uh, you know, making these offers. Again, it's waterfall tendering. It's pretty cool. Um,
1: Why do they call it waterfall?
0: Because it's like it goes from like one and it like drips down kind of like automatic. Like it starts with the first carrier if they they don't respond or if they say no Uh, and the load. You know and and it's, or the time expires it, then it automatically goes to the next one and then the next one and then so it, it kind of goes to them in, in, in a certain order you know what yeah. i mean um
1: just like a waterfront.
0: yeah right uh, and then um the other like kind, kind of thing that i thought was really cool is that you can define your so so you know when you, when, you, when you think about brokering things brokering securities stocks whatever you know the mantra is buy buy low sell high right um, yeah but in 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 freight brokering it's actually backwards you sell high then you buy low like you sell the capacity before you have it then you have to buy the capacity and you know and hopefully for a lower price of what you've got so how do you know you know um and I think you know it's like the the problem the problem with freight as we know it's it's volatile it's dynamic it changes a lot of you know you might you might quote a shipper on one load one week you know uh, you know a drive-in load from Chicago to Atlanta you might quote it one price one a week two weeks later uh, you quote the same load all of a sudden the you know spot rates have changed and you start you lose money on it even though it's the exact same load same origin destination same everything um so how do you know what price to quote Carriers, how do you know? Um, how do you know how much it's going to cost you to cover a load? Well, th- McLeod's TMS and, and Power Broker, especially, what it does actually, it has um, f- real freight market data built into it that it that it can it can call up from either uh, DAT, from truck stop, and from um, McLeod's own exchanges. And you can actually def- when you're trying to determine like how much to quote a carrier, you can actually say. I want, you know, my target is ninety percent of the market rate, but I'm willing to go as high as one hundred and fifteen percent of the current market rate. Then, power broker will actually pull that data, find what the rate is for that lane, and you know, based on the characteristics of the shipment and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, re, you know, near time market data, and then calculate it, apply those percentages, so you, so the broker can sort of, you know, um, kind of you know basically try to try to maintain their margin or try to beat the market um on every single on every single load and it's it's all automated so i thought i was really impressed by that i thought it was so cool um those last two uh features waterfall tendering and the um target uh, slash max payment uh, by rate index. Those are actually coming out in the fall release of Power Broker, but um, yeah. uh, Nita kind of included them as a preview. You know, there's a lot of other like more mundane stuff, like, we okay, we added this button to this window so you can do this from here without having to switch to this other window and click the same. But, you know, you know right. software, like, really granular, kind of in the weeds, like, software updates. But so the, some of the new capabilities, I was like, I was like, damn, like, this is actually very cool very intelligent it, it has the potential to make brokers like so much more productive wow. like i was like you know if you start increasing like you know i think the often quoted number you know for brokerage is like you want to have every broker bring in like a, about a million dollars in top line revenue a year like if you can increase that number and use these intelligent tools to maximize your margins like the, like all brokerages using McLeod's TMS get that much more valuable as a company, they're bringing that much more money, they're de-risking, um, you know, based on like, uh, you know, because they're, they're more in tune with like market movements, like it's just, it's just a win-win and you can really see like once you get into the nitty-gritty of this software, how it makes businesses work better uh, people work better and companies more valuable. How super long interesting. have
1: they been already? Is, have they been using Power Broker for I don't a know. Year? Yeah. Uh, I don't know it when it was
0: started. Power Broker itself is not new. Can, so right. it's in like, it's literally in like version like 18.2. So it's been, you know, it's, 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 it's been around. It's very, it's large, it's complex. Um, you know, it's got tons of users who give feedback, so uh, it's so, not a new so, thing. But they're adding, they're adding like cap, yeah. like, like, like the uh, the target and uh, maximum payment by rate and index is, is going to be new. The waterfall tendering is going to be new. That that kind of stuff. Um. So
1: power broker. Yeah, like it's like the power of love. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? like <laughs> yeah. get. En- I, th- I don't think brokers
0: yeah. really yeah. get enough love, dude. Exactly. I mean, they they're well, so mistrusted. They don't have any overhead. Yeah, they're just, they're just middlemen, right? Pet, you know, kind of buying and selling these um, commodity. You know, if you think of trucking capacity as commodity, they're, you know, buying and selling it just over and over again every day. Like, they're playing the market. But they really do, I mean, they really do perf- perform, like, a critical economic function. Like, they have a real task in the marketplace. Like, they, like, shippers need to find trucks yeah. to move, move freight. shout out to the brokers
1: and, of the world. Yeah, and... and, and yeah, and, and, you know, and brokers, they... If you're a, if you're an owner operator, you, you know it's about relationships, and you want to have a broker that you can trust. And we hear right. a lot about that. Right. Um, well, I speaking of big data, uh, I went to, um, I went to a pretty cool um,
0: uh, session a, a
1: session uh, as well um, called the um, the McLeod Data Science Initiative. Um, and uh, yeah,
0: tell us about that. What what were they talking? Was it like? a huge, like, overarching project? Is it, like, a specific, like, little thing with different objectives? Is it just, like, them trying to convince people that data is useful? Like, what's um, what's the deal?
1: Well, uh, it started off, um, you know, with uh, Randy Seals was the moderator, and he, um, he was fired up. He said, this is the most exciting thing I've heard about from a trucking perspective in my entire life. So, Whoa. Uh, so that's so he's excited, he must be laying down the gun there, yeah. but um, it, it was about, you know, load master and artificial intelligence and the machine learning process. Um, they are, McLeod is partnering with um, uh, another guy, one of the main speakers um, was Josh Jones. He's the CEO of StrategyWise okay. um, here in uh, Birmingham, um, and uh he was like, you know, basically he was like, we're a data science team and we help companies um, figure out how to bring artificial intelligence and big data to your fingertips. Yeah, right. And so right. that's so they, you know, we talked about like using, you know, well, one of the interesting things I, th- I feel like about big data and, and, you know, and using it is, you know, the more we use it. The more it's used in these, especially in these commercial applications, uh, the, the 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 more that the system is learning every single time. And right, you know, for right, you and right. me, or you know, a trucker, or broker, or whatever, like they 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 may just be making some small little micro decisions, but um, every single small decision requires the calculation of millions of small. Permutations of the computers themselves, right? Um, and so they're like constantly getting smarter, and uh, and I just I, I think that that's um, so so based on you know, we talk about you know his, his that you know lane his historical over time that that's right. becoming like right. like you can increase your efficiencies across the board by using the existing data, um, you know and. You know, basically, it's it's all about time, and the, the more efficient you can run a lane, um, you know, you're you're you gonna have better cost. You're gonna define your network um, and your lanes better, um, all with this um, this this data. Um,
0: well, um, so. Let me ask you a question: Was the audience like, was it sort of addressed to carriers, or was it more addressed to like brokers? Were they talking about like your your trucks, or were they talking about like? You were they talking about like an asset light three PL?
1: You know, they, they they weren't talking. It didn't seem like there was a focus on. that. I, I mean, I guess carriers. You know, um, but uh, uh, yeah, they were trying to persuade you know carriers who would want to um, you know uh, use their their this the software
0: right and um, start you know like sort of <clears throat> trust McLeod to aggregate your yeah. data analyze it, give you recommendations, you know, and and then also ha- sort of having the organizational culture in your own company to be able to take advantage of it and operationalize it once you do have, recommend, you know, data-based recommendations. Yeah, sense. and
1: it, this brings me to a, a bit of a, a talking point that I've <clears throat> been um, starting to you know try to I- encourage especially like the drivers of the world like with the you know it's I've been you know saying like it's time to get on the bus Gus you know it's time to um, make a new plan Stan you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's time to like embrace the technology like right now um, I-, I realize that you know you're not king of the road in the same way that you used to be trucking isn't uh you know you you feel like maybe big brother is always in know, the cab with you, you out. Yeah. and you know it's a little too regulated and the hours of service are a pain in the ass i get it all and also like everybody's constantly telling you about the next greatest solution right that right you didn't even know there was a problem that it was trying to solve right but but overall like one of the one of the cool things that's happening in this industry it's long overdue is is all of this big data all this artificial intelligence um you know it, it's it's it it can make your your life more efficient like it's, it, it gives it's, you
0: grounding for the decisions you make i mean and certain at a certain point like sure it, it can even like help people like be sort of more accountable it helps people understand like decision flows like like you know are you doing this ba- are right. you quoting this lane based on your gut or because like this is what you know? yeah
1: the lane the, says I, over you know the thousands and thousands of different you know iterations that you guys have done yeah exactly uh, and others um so yeah it's um trucking can be cool in a different way now and i think that as you know we're getting used to ELDs and you know all this hey I would just encourage everybody to make technology your friend and you know like you're gonna your predictive maintenance is gonna be better you're gonna be abandoned you know out on, on the highway a lot less often you know things are gonna be taken care of that way um, there are I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the numerous examples of yeah what it's, it's, data making, it's doing. making
0: technology your friend but it's also like Find the company, whether it's McLeod, whether it's dat, whether you know it's truck stop, whatever whether it's freightways, whatever it is. Find the company that has the data that matters to your yeah. business and trust them. Right. You know what I mean? In 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 thousands do. Right, you yeah, know? yeah. And that's um, that's what's so interesting is that I mean you can really see advances in productivity advances in asset utilization margins uh, you know yep. uh, reductions of downtime all of that kind of stuff um, you know yeah it's knowing being we're, driven we're, being knowing, driven by technology and data
1: yeah knowing like in advance like where you, where you can park you know right um, right uh, just uh, on and on and on many good things that can help make your lives better with all of the data uh, coming to us
0: yeah, um, and then let's, we have like one more um, kind of big headline uh, yeah. that came out early this morning. Um, Project 44, the uh, Chicago-based um, visibility solution, um, that, uh, you know, run, run by Jet McCandless, uh, you know, great great guy, friend of ours, completed um, a new round of venture capital of uh, fundraising. They raised $45 million dollars Um, And I think um, Jet said to the Wall Street Journal that that puts them at a valuation of slightly under half a billion dollars. So slightly under $500 million. Not Um, bad
1: work if you can get it. Yeah. And so their
0: their growth comes less than six months after their previous rounds. Um, they're they're a Series B, so yeah, it's a you know they're 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 sucking up a lot of cash, um, you know, hopefully growing that revenue, you know, adding their headcount, you know, doing all the things that, you know, kind of a a mid stage startup is supposed to be doing. Um, from what I understand, I mean their product is really amazing. They are expanding both geographically and across modes. Uh, you know, I think they actually have the best technology in terms of visibility, like whether you're talking about them or, you know, um, 10.4, point four kites, the, all that kind of stuff. I think they are actually, like, you know, pretty awesome. Um, so kudos to Jet and the Project 44 team. Yeah. Um, we'll have more kind of content coming out about that deal um, as we learn yeah, yeah. more about it Um but uh, it's very cool they are they're on track I mean they're they're blown up in a major way and um, it's just another example I think uh, Chad of what you were talking about earlier of you know making technology your friend like finding the tools that are available for your business learning to use them and you'll start you'll start You know, asking questions and you'll start finding answers to things you didn't even know to ask. You'll start, you know, there are some um, data problems in search of a solution. Big data really is. It's kind of kind of its own reward. Chad. (laughs) You get into it and it's so fascinating. There's so many different things you can learn. Well, Um,
1: speaking of which, actually, I mean, there actually was another large headline um, that came out late this past week that we missed in our previous coverage um blockchain like you know oh yeah, walmart's yeah. uh insistent insistence that the, s- the suppliers need to uh exactly uh need to get on their their bus gus and um and, and so i think but uh they've given they've given um suppliers of leafy greens essentially it's spinach and uh cabbage lettuce a couple of, lettuce, couple of a, okay um Kale, They've given him four world. months essentially to adopt blockchain. It's the it's the Food Trust Network of IBM's that specifically that right, that right. blockchain that they need to uh, implement. And so, to me, this is a uh, it's very interesting news in terms of enterprise solutions for blockchain. But I think it that is. like it's a good news bad news thing or like a, it's a mixed it's it so to me what well the good news is what I just said interpret like this is huge like a, it's got Walmart has a huge market share for shippers uh, and and they're going to like this is helping like really ramp up and speed up the adoption of blockchain which in a lot of ways still seems like it's a long way away well it's this happening now it it's, if Walmart
0: says it'll happen it's Gonna happen, right? right? Like, and you know, it's it's good news, bad news. It's you know, we know right. we we know intuitively and instinctively that large shippers are the ones who drive technology adoption in transportation, right? And, and, and especially the very very largest of them yeah. all, you know, you know outfits like Walmart that have so much leverage over their suppliers, over their you know. Uh, Third-party logistics providers, their transportation. Like, if you want Walmart volumes, you do what Walmart says, and so, you know, they're imposing. in you know, so that's kind of. So we know that, but it's it's also like the whole reason why Blockchain and Transport Alliance was created was to kind of let all of the parties have a voice in what was happening, to make sort of collective data standards. Uh, yes. It, it, to it, to um, basically let the industry figure out what it wants you know, from the transportation and logistics side of things. That's and, what and
1: BIDA is setting out. That's what BIDA do. was trying to do,
0: but, you know, and kind of almost to prevent the kind of stuff that Walmart is doing, which is imposing its own solution on large right. swaths of the supply chain. Well, that's the, so, the, the,
1: the weird the weirdness of it is that there it's, it's this IBM-specific type of blockchain. It right. Does, it's, it's not it, an open-source shared protocol. It's... Um, they...
0: You know, it's not a. It's not an open source protocol. It's not a public network. It's permissioned, um, which means it, it's
1: not. It's not. It's still. It is decentralized in a certain way, but it's got. To, it starts somewhere. Well, it's not so really decentralized. I mean, you know, it's
0: kind of decentralized, but not really because IBM and Walmart are going to own all the nodes. So they're the ones who get to determine what reality is. Like it's not the the ownership of the nodes is not distributed. Therefore, some of the key benefits to blockchain, like having a truly immutable ledger, trying like removing trust, you know, trusted intermediaries from the process, like it doesn't you know, they don't those don't really take hold. Like like IBM is now the trusted intermediary. What well, you have to trust Walmart in order to use Walmart's blockchain because they are going, you know, and. I'll be interested, you know, as more details of the technology come out, it'll be worth following up on this and really looking at it. Uh, right now, my impression, you know, it kind of reminds me of Maersk's, uh, Maersk and IBM's partnership uh, to create TradeLens, which is really kind of a bespoke version of Hyperledger, uh, which is actually is an open source project. It's yeah. kind of like a customized Hyperledger. Um, it's, you know, Hyperledger is the open source community that IBM kind of like, dominates a little bit. Um, and they created like sort of custom versions of the technology for mares I suspect that's what it looks like for Walmart as well and what we're, we're kind of seeing like you know if you look at mares, if you look at Walmart like these are the the largest players in their respective verticals um, it seems like that this is how IBM plans to commercialize blockchain is by yeah. using the, the, these giants creating these proprietary you know, software solutions. I think you know the real advance for Walmart here is not that they It's going to be on the quote-unquote blockchain. The real advance is that they have this lever uh, now to force technology adoption to get everyone using the yes. same software. like yes. It almost doesn't matter whether it's blockchain or not. If everyone's using the same program, then you're going to get those efficiencies. You're going to get that visibility. You're going to get accountability. You're going to be able to... It's a,
1: it's, it's a part of the process. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like um, someone, um, Sarah Tabor, an independent food safety consultant um, she who performs food safety audits on farms across the country, she's actually skeptical that um, blockchain is going to be the answer to food safety fears. Really? At least when it comes to prevention. She says, um, you can fabricate blockchain just as easy as anything else. It's treated like a guarantee and it's not. It's just a ledger where you keep entries. <coughs> She's like, She says people get excited about blockchain because it is fantastic for tracking digital assets, but for physical assets, she argues, it's just not. Now... I, I recognize her point here that, you know, if, if, say, we had tainted lettuce from the romaine lettuce from the Yuma region, right. such as we did have, and it's tainted, we may not know that it was tainted. We may, but we may just give the stamp of approval anyway, and it still gets distributed and all, all of the above. Um, but I, I think in the end, the ability to trace faster is simply, and more precisely is go- yes is simply going to be better like, we do you have to that do you, you still have to recall have tainted- do you have to
0: recall you know 100 million pounds of lettuce or do you have to recall 1 million pounds of lettuce
1: right right there is there is that too um, so it's uh, an interesting story i mean and- you know and
0: to to her point about About blockchain and data integrity, like okay, sure, like garbage in, garbage out. Like if if what you write, if what you write is you know if, if you enter bad data into the blockchain, it's it's going to be there immutably. I mean, I think the real, uh, you know, add the value add for this is um, you know, when you combine the Internet of Things with blockchain, when you have all these sensors everywhere, constantly, sort of, you know. Uh, uploading data and it's not, you know, human,
1: right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's
0: how you, that's how you de-risk it. That's how you make. That's how you make uh, you know blockchain sort of legit. Like,
1: and thank goodness it's um, but then all who, smart who calibrates data, who calibrates you know? the sensors? You know, yeah, I mean, right. you, keep,
0: you can go down a rabbit hole of like auditing and, and calibration and verification. Right, and um, who is ultimately? But uh,
1: no one's responsible. But ultimately, and everyone
0: is yeah? Ultimately, like, what? Here's what's going to matter. Like, is is food safety improved? Are right. Uh, um. And. Is there a business? Is there a business proposition here? Like, does it's how much money does it save oh, yeah. over and above the cost of implementation? I mean, that's what it really comes down to in the end. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can have these philosophic debates about, okay, is it truly decentralized or, you know. And so are you really just keeping track of these digital assets that are sort of that imperfectly map onto the physical world? But at the end of the day, it's all about like: is the food safer? Is it better? Do we know? Do we know more about it? And does it save everyone in the supply chain, including the consumer, money?
1: And I think you just answered your own question. Yes. So anyway, this has been a great session. Um, I think we have tried our audiences. Uh, patience long enough, but um, just bringing, bringing you um, big data uh, and software applications happening across um, this. Uh, it's long overdue happening across um, all verticals of the uh, supply chain and um, yeah, and just and in the freight and again, logistics transportation industry. Big
0: big thanks to uh, McLeod. Uh, for having us uh, for, and for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, of, you. This episode of What the Truck.
1: And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, freightwaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast.
0: And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Commission Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit MarketWaves18.com to learn more about this event.
1: That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the, the Truck? truck.